What is up, Long Island? Welcome to the fourth ever episode of Long Island Volleyball Podcast. Today we have Tyler Jones filling in as co-host for Michael Barfield. Hey guys, today we have Coach Andrew Sanchez, who is the head coach at Smithtown West High School. So we're going to be talking with him a little bit about the season, what went down, what went on, and also his playing career as well as what he'd like to do in the future. Alright, so let's talk a little bit about the Smithtown West High School season. We have Coach Andrew Sanchez. You guys finished 9-5. and five. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your season. Um, so, I'd say we experienced a successful season this year. Um, I think we were young in a couple key spots, which uh, kind of caught up to us in the end. But the guys I coached this year, just I'd really categorize them as dogs. They just love to get up in the net. They love to compete. I know I've heard some uh, back channel talk about uh, some of the escapades that were going on in the county final, but um, you know those are the types of things we like to see. I like to see people compete, get up in each other's faces, and really just go after it. At the end of the day, this game is about playing, having fun, being there with your friends. So I think that last game is going to be a good, memorable experience for them going forward, and I love the way they played. Yeah, I mean, you guys are bringing back a lot of people next year as well. You're losing who? Anthony and Will. Anthony, Will, and my setter. starting setter. Um, Libero. Uh, with Shanley there still. Yeah. Which is nice. That's going to be I awesome. I think another year for Dan is going to be humongous, um, especially playing for the coaches playing for this year on club, Rick Cole, um, and then playing with Trey and AJ and learning some of the stuff they do. I think that's going to be so beneficial for him. Yeah, he's only going to be a junior next year. Yeah. So he's been playing forever now. Exactly. You know, he does some stuff where it really just, like, opens your eyes. So you're like, you're in 10th grade, you probably shouldn't be doing that stuff. No, absolutely um, not. Sometimes he goes up and bounces the ball. It's <laughs> unreal. Yeah, it's crazy. But, I mean, I can't speak enough about TJ Smith, Will Borey, Thomas Colleen, Aiden McKee, um, Anthony Kanaletich. Those guys are just leaders and they were impact players from day one in practice to literally our last practice and just uh you could really tell how much that group enjoyed being with one another um and i think that's what makes teams so special it kind of gave me a little bit of a flashback of our 2016 year with how close those guys were and how they competed and i do think that that 2016 year rubbed off on this group um they really saw what it took to get to that point and i mean taking a great team like sachem all the way to the fifth set like that I couldn't be more proud of their effort. Yeah, I mean, when especially when you have a guy like Anthony that gets hot during the playoffs like that. I mean, if he played like that all season, which, I mean, I didn't see you guys every single game, but just in that game alone, he would have been easy, maybe, player of the year candidate in my eyes. Yes, yeah. I thought he was unreal. Unreal. Um, unreal. I was listening to your last one when you guys were going over MVP, and you guys were talking about, like, kids that are valuable to their team. Um, and while, yes, I agree 100% that Trey was extremely valuable for Kanekwa, I mean, you take a kid like Anthony off of our team, and it's night and day. He was times where he would just completely carry us. But what I will say is our first two playoff games, ESM and Lindenhurst, we run, we won those games through the middle. Uh, will Borey dominated both games. Um, Lindenhurst, they were looking over at our side, wondering what they could do to kind of slow him down. And he was just going up there swinging. I think he had like 16 kills or something like that. Um, wow. Zero errors. And he probably had like 20 attempts. Wow. Yeah. Out of the middle. 
out of the middle. That's so impressive for high school. Those are those are like what those college numbers you want to see. You want yeah. to see your your middles hitting like five six hundred, um, and he did that easy. And it's nice, especially when your Lavar is playing well, to actually feed them the ball. You guys had a solid senior yeah. Lavar, which is great. And then the thing that's tough is your uh, the serving on the other side, especially from other teams. I feel like across Long Island isn't as tough as when you get up to like the higher higher levels. So if you could keep running that middle, you guys just are. Yeah, they say good. like if you're able to like recreate it in practice. Yeah, you could you know obviously handle it in the game. No one is able to recreate what Sage North is doing behind the service line this year. Um, so you just walk in there and you just hope that either they're going to miss a couple um, or your guys are just really locked in. I'd say their biggest, North's biggest advantage this year is having to play at home in that gym. That ceiling's so low. And with those BBs coming across the net, I mean, I, I don't know how, how kids are doing it. I'm glad that we got to play them at home. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice uh, having that gym for sure. Uh, Especially when we played like a team like Northport, and their passing maybe isn't the, the greatest in the world, but if they're getting a ball up in the air, it's in that ceiling. It's coming straight back down. They don't even get an opportunity to actually put a ball in play. And then let, the, let the play really prolong and see what happens. Because if we start using our pins more, like Ryan Parker's over there on the right side, like he probably gets a little bit hotter. Maybe gets a few more touches or gets a block, which is nice. But you know, it is a definitely a home court advantage over there in North for sure. So let's talk about why you guys were like the seven seed. Like, what adversity did you guys face? Um, so early, we dropped. Uh, I think it was our first or our second game to Lindenhurst. We went up 2-0, and then they reverse swept us. Um, I think that had a lot to do with um, inexperience. Um, so we had trouble, kind of terminating points. Uh, we had Bory over on the right side for that game, and then that was probably Shanley's second ever game on the outside um so that kind of tied in going forward to where that loss came from uh that next weekend though we played at our tournament at smithtown west we ended up winning that tournament we beat lindenhurst in the final and i think that showed a little bit of growth um because they, they figured out what they needed to do in order to close out those games and that was great to see um but what really got us into that seven seed was when we played connect dan ended up uh, rolling his ankle, and then the early diagnosis was he had a fracture, um, and we actually got lucky. I think it was like two or three days before playoffs started that he got a second opinion, and the doctor said his ankle was totally fine. Um, so, honestly, it was a blessing. We might have ended up with Satrum on our side of the bracket as opposed to not having them on our side of the bracket, so I think that prolonged our run. Um, being in S7C was perfect. I mean, going into a gym like ESM that we haven't won in in years, um, and winning in three, I mean, that speaks for itself. I mean, they call it the Shark Tank. It is a little difficult to play in there. Um, and they were a really good team. Jake Delorier, um, Adam Burke, the kid Marks, uh, they did such a phenomenal job this year. They even had, a, I think, a senior on the right side. I don't know his name, but really good player. He, he, he really got after it. I think he was like an emotional spark for them on that side. Um, and then just going forward with Lindenhurst, too, that gym is wild. Um, I really dislike playing in that gym. It's like dark. Um, ceiling's and pitched weird. Yeah, has ceiling has some angles. weird like yeah. tent shape to it. Um, but I've never seen my guys that fired up ever. Um, they were possessed that day. And even dropping the first set, the way I saw them play for the last like 15 points where it was everything started through defense, I knew. I just knew at that point that we would be fine going forward. Um, 
and that's exactly what they did. They just defended their butts off the entire game. Yeah, I think that uh, that seven seed was definitely way too low for the quality of team that you guys had for sure. We said that over at North. We're like, this team could easily, and we thought would make the counterfinals, and you guys ended up doing that. I thought that going in, I mean, you guys got unlucky losing Shanley for a couple games. You maybe just didn't get off to the hottest start, but when we played you all, all year round, like you guys had probably the most complete team, I thought, across the island, that setting. Both uh, both middles were good. Both your outsides were clearly like two of your best players. So it's just, you guys sparked really good, and I thought that 17 was perfect because it definitely propelled you and gave you that little edge to be like, hey, we're 17, like, let's go prove people wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing you guys at the North tournament and at your own tournament, and I was thinking, like, you guys are a playoff team because you guys, you know, won. The, you guys almost won the North tournament. I think you came in uh, your finalists because you guys beat Shenandoah uh, pretty, like, pretty easily. It was actually really fun to watch. Yeah, and then um, your tournament played really well too. Yeah, and then we played North in that final. Yeah, um, I think our message always at the beginning of the year is don't judge us at the beginning. Okay, we're going to trend in that upward direction, and then judge us at the end. See what our final product is. And that's just a testament to trying to get those guys in there every day and just work them, work them hard, and make sure that they're all trying to get better. So who do you think, uh, who would you say is your, like, um, your captain, your leader of the team? Well, we have four captains. I'd even go and say five. We officially named four, which were uh, Will Borey, Thomas Kleen, Anthony Kanaletich, and TJ Smith. And then if you ever got a chance to watch us play, um, Aiden McKee, number eight, as you can tell, he's probably like our spiritual and emotional okay. leader when we're out there. Um, so I would put him in that category also. The interesting part about all of them is that they each have a different leadership role. Um, so Anthony leads by example, being able to you know put the team on his back and carry us. TJ Smith is probably one of the most competitive guys I've ever met. I mean, he would come into practice every day and just talk trash to me up and down. If I ever put a pair of sneakers on, he was talking trash to me. Um, and then you guys have Thomas Kleen, who leads by example as to how to be responsible and be a good leader from that aspect. And then you have Will Borey, who's a vocal leader. Um, he'll be the first one to tell you, hey, you're doing this and we need you to do that. And he'll take the younger kids underneath his wing and really lead that way. And then Aiden, as I already said, is just he might be the craziest kid I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely definitely gets wild out there on the court, which is uh it's interesting to see sometimes. Oh, yeah. He'll be doing a full Mr. Miyagi crane in the back of our serve receive. <laughs> yeah. So Dan's only a sophomore. Uh how what do you see for his future, like for the next two years? Um, Dan is going to be as good as Dan wants to be. Um if Dan grows you are going to see a very, very, very talented volleyball player. I mean, not to mention he's already talented. Um, he's probably one of the best defenders, like pure natural defenders, know where the ball's going that I've already coached. Um, just to see some of the stuff he's doing, like with his brain and thinking through plays in 10th grade. I mean, he has had a volleyball in his hand probably since like inception. Since birth, um, he has the two older brothers, Chris, playing up at New Paltz, and then Matt was a very, very talented athlete when we had him too. Um, so he just—he's at a different brain level with the game. He knows it so well. He's a volleyball junkie for sure. I mean, when we have our video stuff on Huddle, you could see how much film people are watching, and he led our team by far in how much time he spent watching film. It's just the type of kid he is. Um, but I think it's important for him this year to really learn how to train hard, which I think he'll do under Rick Cole and uh, Desi and Christian Smith over there at ACAD. Um, 
Force to train hard. Oh, force to train hard. And he's going to have to compete. I mean, CJ is a phenomenal setter. They have another kid, I think, from Salonica, who's a very good setter. He's got great feet, moves really well to the ball. So he's going to be pushed. But the good thing about Dan is he can play libero. He can play outside. He can set. um, He could do a lot of parts of the game that, you know, are important. And I think passing, for sure, you can always use more people who can pass. Yeah, he's definitely not a one-dimensional player. He can play anywhere on the court. I mean, this kid's IQ is like, unreal for being in 10th grade, which is sick. I mean, you just don't see that. There are some players who are just maybe could be more athletic and like more physically like, oh, they have it. But when you have a smart volleyball IQ, you're just going to be better at volleyball. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And that's why, again, like Smith and West, they're, they're so good with the ball. They know what to do all the time. That's why it's like there's like differences in coaching and then like their volleyball IQ is high. That's why they made the county final this year. They just play harder. They play better. We would actually come into timeouts and um, they would be asking questions that normally I would just be going over in the huddle. And I would look at them and I'd just be like, proceed doing what you're doing because you guys are doing exactly what we should be doing with our time right now in this huddle. And they were just able to talk through adversity and figure out where the ball needed to go and why. Um, And that's a coach's dream, to be able to get guys to actually think through the game I couldn't ask for more from that aspect. It was awesome. Uh, one question: What was like your favorite moment of the season for you guys? Maybe play whatever game doesn't matter. Set. Honestly, the would you say like a- actual physical, like something happened on the court? And doesn't matter. Anytime. All right. So I'd probably say my favorite moment was after we beat Lindenhurst. Uh, my setter who the first thing he does uh, looks like Baker Mayfield on Oklahoma, runs to the runs to the fans, first thing he does, and then sprints right back over to our court. He grabs me over by, like, my head, and he's like, seven seed, told you. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I was on the same page as you, buddy, but I, I really liked that moment just because I felt like it validated all the hard work. Um, and he played LeBaro for us last year, so moving over to a different position and being able to lead, um, that moment right there I think was just special for me. He was, he was a great setter, too, this year. He played really well. I didn't know he played the barrel last year, so to move and to completely change positions is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I was very happy with his play this year. And I love watching him play because I think at some times he could be smarter than me with what he's doing out there, which is, I mean, you always want your setter to be, like, the third or fourth coach out there, and that's what he was. So, Tyler, what are you going to get your special someone for, you know, for Christmas this year? Well, I was really thinking hard, and I have a lot of stuff on my wish list, but I think I'm going to go to livball.com slash shop and see what they have over there. I hear they have some really great gear that will really propel maybe me and my loved ones to be better volleyball players overall. So you were a Smithtown West and East alum. How were your playing careers over there? Um, I'd say my playing career was pretty solid. Um, my junior year, uh, which was at West, we had a – very good year. I think we were 12-4. and four. Um, Played with a kid, Chris Sidnam. He was like a 6'6 middle. Ended up going to Ramapo. Um, my buddy Ryan Mahoney, who went to UVA, played club down there on a good club program. Um, we And Johnny Lutchen, who ended up going to Sacred Heart and transferring to New Paltz. Um, so we had a we had a nice roster. And um, typical Smithtown West fashion. Um, very hard-nosed playing team. Um, and I think that comes under the tutelage of Mike Legg. Uh, Coach Leg. People forget that Leg was a part of multiple championships with Smithtown as a whole before the program was split up into two schools. And then uh, he's also one of the first coaches, I think, to win gold with the Empire State team. 
um, beating Western in their final, which was awesome because uh, those are a whole bunch of Division One Western guys up there, big dudes. Um, but funny story about my Smithtown career is I was actually living on the east side of town my junior year, um, and we were making a run towards the end of the playoffs. We played Smithtown East the last game of the season. We went to five. It was absolute mayhem. Um, one of the best moments of my career, just the gym we played in was a middle school, and you had the entire school from both sides in a little tiny middle school gym. I had like I had kids tugging on my shorts as I'm like about to jump serve, um, and it was electric. Um, the only problem is we found out that day that I would be suspended for playoffs because someone called to complain that I was living on the east side of town and playing for the west side of town. So we ended up, um, we actually beat Comac, who was a good team. They had a kid, Pat Lilly, that went to uh, Lewis, I believe. Um, big 6-5 lefty, played right side. Um, so we ended up beating them in the first round. Uh, second round, we played West Islip, which had a great player, Jack McKee, who played at Brugge. And uh, Paul Ayups, I believe, who played at, um, I think it was, I actually don't know, I forgot. Juniata, that's where he played, another good program on the D3 level. Um, then we played Smithtown East in the semis. We lost in four. Their team is very good. Um, and then I ended up switching schools. Senior year, went to East. We were uber talented. Um, we went 18, well, 16 on the regular season. We beat North in three in the first round, Lindenhurst in five in the second round. And then we lost to Half Hollow Hills, who was an absolute dynasty that time frame. They had Craig Barini coaching them. They had, ran their own club. I mean, uh, they had kids like Chris Camus, Remy Janko, uh, Mike DeGrazia, who were phenomenal players. Um, I still remember in that county championship game, DeGrazia bounced the ball through my legs, and I literally never saw the ball. It just I just asked people around me, like, what happened? Um, so, yeah, then that happened. That was a good time. And uh, I went to college a couple years later and played club ball at Stony Brook, which was a good time. Played Binghamton against Robbie Steinberg and Brian Trusley and all them, uh, Ryan Dragota. So that was a good time. Uh, yeah. I, I can. I also played club at LIBBC until I was 17. That was a fun time. Uh, had some good coaches, Andre Sporomeo over at Bayshore, Ryan Dunn, who's at Ward Melville. Uh, yeah. So what was it like playing for Coach Like and then like you're transitioning to coaching alongside of him? What was so, that like? playing for Coach Leg, um, there's an old leg, which was the one of the scariest human beings ever, even though you know he, like, loves you. Um, I could specifically pinpoint a time where we were in 10th grade, and me and my buddy, or two captains on JV at that point, um, were peppering, and he didn't like the way we were peppering. He said we were putting the ball up too high. Um, so he reamed us out in front of the entire gym, which, like, kind of set the tone for us the whole year. That while, yes, um, he can be friendly, he's also to be respected, and you should play hard for him. Um, so in going, going forward, just really learning the game from him, uh, he's like a great volleyball mind. He knows a lot. He taught me a lot about what teams should be doing offensively. My whole base defense and defensive scheme are stem from his ideals of volleyball. So I would really attribute a lot of my – coaching ability to the strong foundation that like left me with um yeah yeah so how was the transition from now playing to coaching so what's funny is i would never going back probably when i was like 16 17 never would have thought i'd be a coach um i thought i was probably like a coach's nightmare 
Um, I love making jokes at practice and being like a little bit of a goofball. Um, but when it was time to compete, it was time to compete. Um, and I think I was definitely hard to coach. I don't think I would have enjoyed coaching myself. Um, so when I started coaching, I was 19. I would come from work and then stop at West and I would just try and help out as much as I could. Whatever I would see, I would tell Coach Leg or I would tell one of the players who I probably played with at that point. Um, and that just grew into a little bit of a passion, um, which is now like a full-blown passion. I'm obsessed with this sport. Um, so I'd probably say by the time I was like 21, my first year coaching LIBBC, which was with Crop uh, was coaching the ones team. I was coaching the twos team, which was a 14s team at the time. That was Trey's age. So got to see Trey when he was 13 at the time. And I was like, wow, volleyball has really gotten a lot better on Long Island if this is what 13-year-olds look like. Um, so that right there, I learned a lot from Crop. Um, and it just really got me going with the whole volleyball thing. And then, you know, coaching at West as the assistant coach, we ended up winning a county championship in 16 versus an amazing Sachem North team. Um, and then I learned just under the tutelage of guys like Matt Rivera, Matt Stefano, our coach Desi, Rick Cole, um, Patrick Santiago, who's over at Duke, um, Kevin Delorier or Soda that runs uh, Malloy. Um, so I got to watch those guys coach, and I think that helps me to learn and do things that I want to do as a coach and grow. Um, the one thing I can say for anyone who's trying to get into coaching or be better is just be a sponge. Um, open your ears, close your mouth, um, and just try and take in as much as you can. Uh, Rick Hall told me, I think, our first year of coaching ACAD, he was like, as soon as you start to realize that you're not one of the best coaches in the gym, that's when you can start growing to become one of the best coaches in the gym. Um, so set aside the ego and just learn as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's true. I mean, I played under coach over here uh, last year at St. Joe's. He was one of the assistants, and I mean, I probably learned so much from him just in that short time frame in one season that I've learned in a, a probably a really long time. I mean, uh, being coached, you know, it's it's tough. You always don't want to, like, listen to people all the time. You know, you kind of get into a little funk, but it's nice to see, like, the different spin that uh, Sanchez puts on the game and really gets you going more and, like, more focused, which is great. So it's nice to see someone coming up like this because, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, model my coaching career now after people like him, like Rivera, the same, the same deal. People are, like, so passionate about the sport and just want the sport to grow and be great across all Long Island, not just certain places, just everyone to be good. And I think he's doing a really good job of it. So when did Lake hire you as, as an assistant coach at Smithtown West? So I wasn't officially hired as an assistant coach until 2014. I was a volunteer assistant. Um, my first two years, like when I was 19 and 20, uh, not even paid, just me going in there, literally volunteering my time. And then, you know, over a while, over time span, the athletic department started to pick up that uh, I was somewhat valuable to the program. Um, so they wanted to find a way to compensate me. I think as the budget grew, they were able to bring back paid assistant coaches. Um, so I started working, I think, in 2014 as the assistant coach. So. I mean, I've been with the program for seven, eight years now, um, and just seeing it grow the way it has. I mean, it's been a lot of work, but, I mean, to see what it is now is just special to me. Um, even if I stopped coaching this year, just looking back at the way it's grown 
and what we've been able to accomplish. I mean, I can't be can't be happier with the progress I've made and we've made as a as a program. Awesome. So, what were like your like thoughts when you know when Crop asked you to be thesis and coach at St. Joe's? Um, that was awesome because I've always wanted to get into college coaching. It's still one of my dream jobs. Um, so for him to ask me to work with him, I thought was awesome. Um, I got to learn a lot about the NCAA. Got to learn a lot about the procedures, a lot of what the travel days are like. Um, going to the NCAA tournament and seeing the format, you know, going up a day early, practicing in that gym, and getting with your team. Um, so that experience in itself was incredible. Um, I also go down to Stony Brook practices for the women's um, and just learn from them as much as I can. Uh, Coach Belsung over there is doing a phenomenal job with that program. Um, so being able to learn little things from her helps. Um, and that's, like I said, what you can do is you could really branch out and just learn from the people around you. There's a lot of really good resources on Long Island. Awesome. So like, do you plan on coaching for college, you know, boys or girls? Is there any preference you have? Who's easier to coach? Um, I don't have a preference as to who I would coach. I mean, I think there is more opportunity in women's volleyball just because there's so many more programs. Um, so I do see myself maybe transitioning more to that side. Um, but if I had a choice, I would obviously want to coach on the men's side. Just I, I think the game is faster. It's more physical, um, a lot more side out and uh, terminating points than on the women's side. But volleyball is volleyball. I mean, it's a beautiful game. It's one of my favorite things to watch, without a doubt. Not many people will willingly sit in front of a computer and want to watch a Division One men's or women's volleyball game, but it's easily my favorite sport to watch. So now that it's getting cold outside, Tyler, what are you going to do to stay warm? Well, you know, I'll probably go over to livball.com slash shop and grab me a nice uh, Long Island volleyball warm-up to keep me warm during the winter. I think volleyball is growing on Long Island tremendously, even since when I was a senior, and definitely since when you were a senior. It's, it's unreal now, the amount of like looks that Long Island volleyball is actually getting from D1 and even D3 schools all the time. I mean, New Paul's has always been, you know, coming down here and grabbing the players. And I think they found out early that, hey, Long Island is a good spot to find great volleyball players. And that just goes to show with, like, the Smith brothers, Houston, like, they go up, they win a national championship. They won another one this past year. Majority of their team is from Long Island. So it's it's nice yeah. to see that Long Island's definitely growing in volleyball. It's, and it comes from people who just love the game, like Sanchez over here that are willing to put in all the time and coach these kids and make them great. So why do you think that is? Do you think it's maybe because beach volleyball has some kind of that type of element in, in their success? or? Um, for, for me, I would just say, I mean, I think that kids are now seeing, like, you can get an opportunity to play at school. So now there's, it's not just like, oh, it's a high school thing. Uh, I think when you played, I feel like people just did it in high school. They don't really go to school as much as they do now. So... They're looking long-term, so if you look long-term, I mean, and I think that people play it at a younger age now than they did back then. So Trey Cole's been playing since he's 13, or yeah, he started playing club. younger. Yeah, 12, 11 years old, whereas I started playing club when I was 15 at a normal age of when you're supposed to play. People see the game more, like AJ's been playing forever, so it's just grown as a community as a whole, and I think that's what's really driving it to be a bigger sport here and to tie into that like uh like looking at the whole club scene i mean 
LIBBC, ACAD, both doing excellent jobs with these kids. Um, and at the beginning when ACAD started, I think I heard some stuff where it's like, ah, uh, it's going to weaken Long Island Volleyball having another major club. But the way I looked at it is you don't get a Mac without uh, Windows, right? So Steve Jobs needed whoever runs uh, Microsoft, Bill Gates, right, in order to get to that level of success. And it's giving these kids so much more of an opportunity now. Instead of having 12 kids playing on a national team, you got 24, 12 on each side. Um, and that's what's helping grow the game so much. And Tyler, you saw this summer when we had our college clinic over at West with all those yeah, college awesome. guys. Man, the level of play in that gym was unreal. Yeah, um, and that's just because of the growth of the game on Long Island. Yeah, when you, when you could literally just sit through a practice and essentially, like, you know, they're running it themselves. You give them the drills, you give them the tools to, you know, just, all right, we're going to do this. But when they're going after it, when you have, like, a back race in the gym, and Dan LaRosa was one of my favorite players to watch during that entire clinic, I never realized how good he was until I saw him play against the highest level of competition on Long Island. It's just so fun to watch. And, like, hopefully we can keep doing that every single year because I think more and more people will want to come down and that will just – continue to keep growing college volleyball and Long Island volleyball substantially because that was so much fun. Hopefully, people will definitely start coming down and we can do more with that this upcoming summer. Yeah, do you plan on doing more clinics this summer? Yeah, I plan on running that college clinic again, um, hopefully growing it. I want to get guys like Tyler and Christian Smith, Steve Wessner, Nick Laffin all in the gym. Um, just the more volleyball minds that you could put in there. Uh, Christian playing in Greece and knowing what it's like to play professionally to get these kids that are either entering their freshman year of college or coming back and wanting to get touches over the summer. Um, that's how we're going to get better. There's so many other avenues for kids that play in California and the Midwest that have their own facilities that could train six or seven weeks, uh, six or seven days a week. Um, so we need to do a better job on our end here on Long Island of getting an opportunity for these guys to get better over the summer as well. Um, but clinics going forward, uh, I am planning on doing uh, top 30 high school players on Long Island and running it with great coaches like the ones that I just mentioned. Um, so I will be doing an evaluation process starting very soon as to like the top 30 kids who I want in the gym with me over the summer. Um, so for a lot of the Long Island kids, definitely look out for stuff like that. I will be reaching out and contacting you um, just because if you guys were able to actually watch those college guys get in there over the summer and just compete, um, if you can get that talent in the gym, not only is it fun, but you're benefiting so much from that, and it's going to help speed up that process and make you into a better player. Yeah, even for the few high school kids that were in the gym that actually went to that college clinic, hopefully they could you know, spread the word and say like how much you know, fun and how much you learned from just the short experience that they had. Yeah, like you look back, Mark Williams is an all-county player. Uh, Will Borey is a great player also. Uh, Dan Shanley was in there. Anthony Kanalodich was in the gym. Uh, Trey came down. Quincy was in there. Yeah, Quincy was in there. There was some high school kids, and those guys ended up being anchors on their team. Um, and that's what we want to do. We just want to teach the game in the way that we think is the right way and just make them into the best players that they can be. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, you guys got to link up. Yeah, we'll collab. Yeah, <laughs> collab on it. You know, oh, we'll yeah. Get some people in. You know, Always figure it out. All right, well, thank you for your time, Coach Sanchez. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, guys. You guys are doing a great job this podcast. Keep it up. Appreciate it. We hope you guys like this episode of the Long Island Volleyball Podcast. Make sure you like and follow us on Spotify and tell your friends. We'll see you next week.